0: We're back! We're back! My voice! let cracking? I, it's the distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. Hi, Roth. I'm good, man. I,
1: do you need a minute like, to <laughs> just take a couple breaths?
0: No, no. In honor of my son being 13 years old, I decided let <laughs> my voice cracked. That's good parenting right there.
1: Everybody you know what? in the family I, should have to, like stress over a few hairs on their upper lip for another year
0: we have no uh, we have no guests so we can be as self-indulgent as we please this week and I, I have to tell you and this is gonna come off is is very arrogant and i swear i didn't mean to but i've that that couching means absolutely nothing like i've realized now that anytime i catch something where i'm like listen i don't mean this in a derogatory sense i totally mean it in a derogatory <laughs> sense like all that like it's always i'm always just trying to like pr- like Put up the defenses, like so people are like, oh, okay, it's fine. He means no offense. Yeah. Anyway, I've, so that's a
1: classic move that I remember from my youth, where it was like someone would be trying to start
0: a fight, but they would say all due respect. first. Yeah, yeah. You'd be of like, course, come on, man, of course. Like I've I've found more elegant ways of putting it, but it still boils down to all due respect. But hey, this all, isn't even all due that. Respect, you're a fucking asshole. This is me. But I'm watching with all respect. Like I'm starting to watch Boardwalk Empire because no one else is watching it, and I have no expectations, so it's perfect. It's just an hour of. Mobsters being like deeply irritated with one another, which is all I want, have a mob show. And <laughs> like Michael Like a Pitt, man in a vest getting stressed out. And while we're remembering guys, Michael Pitt is one of the stars of Boardwalk Empire. And uh, and so I'm watching it and I realized I'm at like the fifth episode or something, and I realized watching Michael Pitt that I th- he looked like I think he gave me a vision of what my son will look like when he is an adult. And Damn. like I got I was like and that sounds really, again, that sounds really crass to be like, well, my son's going to look like a movie star. Like, I swear to God, I try not to mean it that way. Because Michael Pitt's a very handsome man. But yeah. I look at him, I'm like, I'm like, like the eyes and like the lips. I'm like, because I'm watching my son grow up in front of me. Like he shook my hand the other day and it was like a man handshake. I was like, fuck, how did his hands get so big? <laughs> <laughs> like before he used to have little baby hands and I could like, I could crush them. Like, with a, like a fucking vice if I wanted you. I can't do that anymore. Because he's out there doing that field work now. He's, like, he,
1: uh, clearing brush on your ranch, which I think is cool that you're putting him to work like that.
0: We are, we, are, we are thinking about buying a lawnmower so that they can mow the grass, so that I don't have to mow the grass. That's, like, going to be a big thing. But. Yeah,
1: it's good. It's, like, a good, uh, solid lower body workout. I'm assuming yeah. you're trying to, you know, shape him up into kind of like a, like a Mike linebacker type. You <laughs> will.
0: They're not allowed to play touch uh, tackle football. So, But that That's is hard. enough of Drew Simmons talks about how awesome his son is and how handsome <laughs> his it, son is. Is it weird that my son's hand has gotten large? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we can't do that anymore. We have to talk about things that are actually happening. But first. Uh, for, yeah, first of all, we have to talk about the NBA Finals because uh, Game 6 uh, will be uh, – if you listen to this right when it posts, then you will be watching Game 6 shortly thereafter. The, uh, the Warriors will have a chance – to close out the series in Boston, I don't think they will be able to. Uh, However, it has not been a terribly predictable series in that regard uh, because uh, I just don't know whose defense is going to be better on any given night because they're both so fucking good on defense. Also, both teams have had
1: stretches, like fully dominant quarters, in games that they've lost, Uh, like, recently, you know, like, it's been, we talked about this with uh, with Drew Hanlon on the AMP thing last week, for a series that has mostly been, like, quasi-blowouts to, like, just, you know, sort of, like, ten-point margins of victory, I found it to be a very entertaining series to watch, because each game has a bunch of good basketball in it, like, some incredibly fun-to-watch, like, just, like, pyrotechnic basketball, and yet also somehow they're not happening at the same time. So you're just getting, like, it's like a highlight reel quarter and then a highlight reel quarter, and it seems, like, both uh, brilliant but somehow not competitive in the way that you think of a great finals as being.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, because there have been stretches, and I sort of, I've, I think I've sort of, I think I've sort of adopted a sort of a permanent mentality where I think the Celtics are simply a better team. They're better organized, they ha- they're a deeper team, and I tend to think of that because I see stretches where they stick so hard to the Warriors, and they make their lives so miserable. They did it in Game 5, a game where they made it so that Steph Curry didn't make a single three-pointer, and yet they got the doors blown off of them in the fourth quarter. So I don't, you know, it, it's a hard series to make sense of when, you know, you sort of, at least for me, someone who isn't, like, as like as tuned into the, the nuances of the game the way, like, Bernico or somebody else might be. Like, I'm I'm used to sort of judging the series based upon how the best players on each team are doing, and this series has totally not followed that script at yeah. all, because Jason Tatum is the best player on the Celtics. He has not played well for very long stretches, particularly Game 5. He did not play well in Game 5. I think five. he's so fast, man. He's played so many minutes. I think that's part of it. Like, it's just, you, there's no way of being able to tell. It was something Chris Bosch talked to us about uh, when he came on the podcast once, that these guys are so fucking tired even with two days rests in between games as the NBA's done for all but one pair of games these finals they're still they still look exhausted yeah to me. and that's been kind of like it's
1: you know always the case when you get to the finals just because everybody has played you know all these extra minutes during the playoffs the Celtics have played two seven game series already they got a shot at a third I mean Tatum at this point has played it's like a hundred more minutes than anybody else, you know, so this is the equivalent of, like, a few games. And that, like, I can't say that, you know, it's, it's like, costing the series anything, because it's just what it is, you know, like, this is sometimes how it is by the time you get here. It is frustrating, because I feel like he, and then, you know, Curry's shot being off in the last game, I think he actually played brilliantly and was, like, a really big part of why they won. It's just still strange to go 0-9 in an NBA Finals game if you're Steph Curry from three-point range. like and
0: Yeah, he made, he made plenty of good mid-range shots yeah. and did lots of driving to the hoop. And with and Tatum, like it's that. like he's still, it, there's just
1: been like a notable sort of drop-off in terms of like what, I mean we will probably find out that he's got some sort of injury after the Finals. It feels like that kind of thing. He hasn't dunked in the last couple of games, which is something that he, you know, usually is good for. I just think that there's like that... You know, maybe it's easier to appreciate after the fact or in an abstract sort of podcast setting than when you're watching it. They're all dragging ass so hard that there is like actually kind of a, you know, there's an emotional element to watching them. Like you're you're not like just seeing sort of raw virtuosity one way or the other. Like these guys are all like very much in pain and yeah. it adds an element to to it that, you know, deepens it, I think.
0: Well, also, Tatum, he does have an injured shoulder, like, and it's his shooting shoulder, so that's not good. Yeah. Like, you kinda, that's kind of a part of your body you need, even though I know these guys get—it's like the NFL. They get 500 shots of cortisone, and they also—they're world-class athletes, and they have so much adrenaline that there are times when they can overcome that, you know, flu game-type shit. But, you know, when you play 100 games in a season, that can be a little bit yeah. tough. It'd be a little bit. Tough, I think you, know? you make
1: an interesting point about the Celtics seeming like the better team because I feel like going into the finals, maybe just because of the fact that I'd watched the Celtics more because they'd played like four or five more games than the the Warriors did. I also kind of thought they were better. I don't necessarily think that now. I think that uh there's the Warriors have adjusted in ways that I think I I sort of didn't anticipate, and they're getting. More from, like, Gary Payton and Andrew Wiggins, I think, have been, like, decisive factors in this series just because they're probably the two guys in the Warriors rotation that are athletic enough to stick in a meaningful way uh, with the Celtics on both ends. But it makes yeah. me appreciate the the Celtics more to see that, like, even in this sort of, like, degraded form, like, I think they're going to get better. Like, I think that, you know, with the exception, uh, you know, of Al Horford, who we can talk about. I don't think that any of the... Yeah, Al
0: Horford annoys me. And
1: and Al Horford, it's like, part of it is annoying that he's like 37 years old and like somehow has successfully reimagined himself as like Donnell Marshall, Mark Ford. Yeah,
0: it's really annoying. But
1: the rest of the team is not going to decline for another couple of years. Like that core, they're still going to be really good. uh, Yeah. And they're all going to be together. So like that is, I don't know, you know, like you don't love that it's the Celtics. But if you told me that like, you know, I'd have another couple of years of watching like Smart and Brown and Tatum and Robert Williams, like, yeah, sign me up for that.
0: Like just Yeah, and I, I think they have a good coach in Ime Udoko, too. I think I think that like when Brad Stevens moved up to the front office, I was definitely like and I won't think I was alone in being like, what the fuck? Like that's kind of weird, yeah. right? Like like he's like like I guess Brad doesn't want to coach anymore and wants to make money doing all the all the almost moves that Danny right. Ainge made. So more power to him. Okay. All right. But then it turned out that their new coach is actually fantastic. Yep. So I don't I don't I don't know. And what that the- Stevens made a series
1: of moves that like really reimagined the team on the fly and like kind of you know, looked sort of cosmetic, but like as again, as Drew Hanlon said, like getting rid of Dennis Schroeder means more point guard minutes for smart, getting like Derek White. Yes. Like all of that stuff really like they got a lot better, so like, hats off to Brad Stevens, executive. I, you know, I guess if he's, I hope he's happier. All coaches, by the time they get to the end of their coaching thing, just have this look of someone that like just got off a, a very long international flight
0: with like a lot of babies on it. So if he's sleeping better, like, good, good for him. I've brought it before, but but the way he made Rox's mask during every game with it just sitting under his chin all game long, I really, I really don't know what's going on. I want him to just take it off. Or put it on. Just choose one. What are you doing? It's, you're just, you're making your beard sweaty all game long for no reason. It's also the
1: sort of look that I associate, again, just from my life experience of riding the subway, that there's like,
0: oh, there, yeah.
1: there are people that wear masks on the subway still. There are people that don't wear them at all. And then there is the like, and I've seen this the last couple of days, tourists are back, like American tourists are back in New York City and we love it. We'd love Ooh. to see them. But they are—there's <laughs> a, a sort of look that tourists have where, like, the guy will be, like, sunburnt, goateed, no mask. The wife, in a sort of a compromise, will be wearing the mask a Yudoka style, but will have it tucked under her chin. And so I just think that Yudoka, he's, he's a handsome man. He's a fully vaccinated man, as far as we know. Married to
0: Nia Long? Yeah. No I less. mean,
1: again, like, salute. Like, yeah. you don't need to wear your mask— like a lady from the sunbelt who is here to see uh, you know Hamilton. You can do you can do better than that.
0: That is that's that the people who wear it that way and I know he doesn't mean it that way but I always get the All right, I have a mask on my face. You fucking yeah, happy. Right, right. You happy? Like, like here. Here's the like or they have it dangling off of one ear like I brought the fucking mask. You can't talk to me about not having my mask on cuz I have it on. I just have it I on am gonna miss in a way that. that makes Man, I am <laughs> going to miss that shit so much. I, I have very, I'm like you, I have very small like PTSD moments from the, the, the pandemic. Nothing compared to what like people who have lost loved ones or have had like serious bouts of COVID, like nothing compared to what they have, but like, or I'll have like supply chain like triggering where like if I see a tub of cream cheese at the supermarket now, I have to buy it, even <laughs> if I already have two in the fridge, because there was such a cream cheese tub shortage for so long. I'm like, I don't know if these will be here much longer. And there could be a time when cream cheese tubs just cease to exist. Yeah. So I have to like stock up as much as I, as if I, as if I just lived through fucking World War II. So this is,
1: and, I think that, that it's, it's funny that we as like bougie, annoying people have that, like, those yeah. associations are with cream cheese and bucatini. For us,
0: Yeah, like, ah, oh, the pandemic was so high. I, 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 like. I like the one with the little <laughs> hole in
1: the middle. My grandma <laughs> grew up during the Great Depression. Uh, you know, that's just, a, you know, the age that she was. After she passed, uh, I remember coming to help my mom clean out the apartment, and she, in a way that, like, I think was sort of grandmotherly, but I think was more, like, grew up during the Great Depression. The things that she had, the things that she needed, she had stockpiled in such incredible bulk— that there were, like, price tags on them going back. Like, you could sort of carbon date the boxes of AIM toothpaste that she had in the closet, dozens of boxes. You could, like, trace the price back to when she was getting it at, like, a path mark that has long since been knocked down for 89 cents. Like, to a certain extent, this will never leave us. To another extent, it's also funny that, like, it's just going to be you and see, it like, a brick of Philadelphia cream cheese and treating it like fucking cigarettes in prison. which is being like, yeah, I need it. Yeah.
0: It's pretty. I mean, my mother in law grew up in Europe uh, during World War II in, in, a, in, countryside that, in a countryside that was bombed and was lacking provisions. So, like, to this day, she will stock more canned goods than she needs, right? And that's like, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Me being like, oh, my God, we got to make sure we have enough garlic powder. That's like a <laughs> just t- being total soft batch suburban dad, like wanting <laughs> everything on demand. Like, it's, it's funny because I'm not a city boy. I am a suburbs boy and I am a creature. Of the, I grew up in the suburbs. I live in the suburbs now. Like I am a fully suburban animal and I, I clearly like it because I remember when my wife and I were going to leave, like we kind of wanted to leave this area because it's expensive and crowded and people can be kind of dicks. And I was like, well, I want a place that's sort of, like, close. I don't want to be in the city. I want peace and quiet. But I won't be too far from the city because I still won't be able to party in the city if I want to. And there's a name for that kind of fucking place. And I live right in it right now. Which is fine. I mean, like, it's just –
1: that's the appeal of it. I think that, like, you know, these things go back and forth. That Like, I've had my parents, like, sort of take me aside and confide that they're, like, you know – my sister bringing her kids up in Queens or whatever, they're kind of like, well, wouldn't wouldn't they like a yard? And I'm like, not really. Like, that was fine. We had a yard. Like, it was good. Like, we used it for a little while, and then we stopped using are it. They
0: like, are they like current Democrats, where, like, if they hear about, like, a shoplifting case, like, two counties over, they're like, crime spree! I
1: don't think they're scared like that. I think that it's just... There's a thing that happens if you live in the suburbs for, like, 50 years, which my parents have basically done at this point. I think that you see the whole rest of the world as, like, a crazy TV show and every person in it as a character – and so for them, like going to New York, they're kind of, it's just like, you know, wandering into an episode of like, you know, my dad's probably thinking Hill Street Blues. I have no idea what my mom is thinking about. And so, like, it's both probably terrifying to them, but then also, like, delightful because they'll be like a guy doing pull ups on a lamppost and they'll be like, well, doesn't that beat all?
0: Incredible. Like, but they're just kind of surfing through it completely on the surface. Uh, who is the most annoying player in this series, Roth? And why is it Al Horford? So, I'm curious. I I think Horford is is pretty irritating, Um, but I am curious why
1: you are as mad at Al Horford as you are. Because I always thought – like, he's going to retire with, like, a fringe Hall of Fame case career-wise, and I will never have thought of him as having been, like, all that good. Like, he wasn't the most compelling player on the college teams he was on, and yet, like, (laughs) he's made it an awfully long time, and, like – I am, as somebody who is, you know, sort of like every other middle-aged man contemplating the fucking grave and my legacy, the fact that he's, like, pulling off this successful late-career pivot as, like, becoming this type of player that he's becoming, I'm supposed to admire
0: it. I just kind of am not digging it very much. What is your your beef with him? I think I realized it while I was watching him, like, make three-pointers that I, I think that I am... Um, there's something else I'm carrying, which is from what, having to watch Patrick Ewing for a good amount of my like mm-hmm. formative years, is that I actually I hate all old guys who take long mid long jumpers. <laughs> like I, that's what it is. I fucking I just hate like a janky ass Bill Cartwright hoisting up a shot with form that looks like a like a fucking eighty yeah. year old man at the Y. Like I can't. Like that's not what I watch basketball for. I watch basketball for like awesome shit. I don't want to see. A fucking wily middle aged asshole like gut his way to like making threes. That's not what I paid for. And yet even though I'm not paying see, for it. See, to me,
1: like, and I don't know how where you stand on, on this important issue. It'll I think be useful for our listeners to get you on the record. One of my favorite types of players from the nineties that you don't see as much anymore is a former mobile player like do it all big man who reimagines himself as a 6 foot 10 inch 3 point shooter and like always looks high. I'm talking about like Daniel Marshall who I mentioned earlier, Sam Perkins. People that kind of play Ooh, like I, they I did kind of like Perkins. Yeah, that like the they could sort of like they play like they're wearing like Timberlands and jeans. Like they're not really <laughs> like working too hard, but there is like, you know, they add value in different ways. Horford isn't quite doing that. He's still like getting in the post and doing his one post move and playing yeah. his defense and stuff like that. Whereas like Daniel Marshall, by the end, was absolutely there to shoot from precisely the spot that he liked and really didn't want to do anything else. And I think that that was, you know, as a pickup player, I can 100% relate to that.
0: Yeah, I just have memories of Patrick Ewing wearing like eight neoprene oh. sleeves, like on each big knee knee pads. Yeah, yeah. And just like and being out like near the baseline, but not past it. And then, tur- like, hitting a turnaround jumper that just, it clanks so loud off the fucking rim, you could hear it in, like, neighboring arenas, not just in the garden, yeah, too. Like- I, so, and this is
1: the, the real, like, memory I have of viewing. So, I was young enough when he was playing that everything that every NBA player did was cool to me. Like, every bit of accessory, every, you know when they used to wear those, like, bicycles, like, the compression shorts under their shorts, yeah, I thought that was the yeah, of coolest course. shit in the world like and so but even like wearing a knee brace or like later like Iverson with that weird like sort of shooting sleeve compression thing that he would wear all yeah. those like doodads were cool to me and yet like with Ewing I was like no not like that like <laughs> you look like you're painting a house like you've just got yeah. too much shit on you
0: <laughs> like getting it, so I remember I had, I was like, oh, man, those compression shorts look so cool. Like, I should get those and try. And then I tried them on and put my shorts over, and I was like, oh, my God, where do my balls yep. go? Like, ah, oh, this is terrible. Same for me. Like, it was, I think it also it's one of those things where that's an
1: important lesson for every child to learn, where you're like, well, Michael Jordan looks cool in those, so why wouldn't I, a 12-year-old? And the answer is like, <laughs> yeah, because you're 12, dude. Like, you don't look, there's
0: not a thing that you could wear that would make you look cool. These playoffs, uh, these finals, and... uh you know, I just made fun of '90s basketball because that's my job. And like, I I go with I go with the flow on, like I go where the wind is blowing on that. Where I I like the current iteration of the NBA, and I like bad mouthing the '90s. Unlike Tim Marchman and other friends of mine who like are still like, ah, oh, it was better back then. But these playoffs, particularly watching these finals and watching like the Bucks, who have a very '90s sort of flair to them, mm-hmm. um. It did give me an appreciation of games back when like the bulls were in the finals, where you know the final score was like you know ninety to eighty seven and there was a shit ton of defense, and like every shot just looked like so fucking yeah. hard to make, where it's like it made each shot you know it made each basket made all the more valuable, so I do have some some appreciation.
1: I'm a, yeah, I'm a little bit sympathetic to that idea. I think because, again, like what we were saying about like the Celtics being so tired and like both teams being so tired, that like somehow adding something, you know, just sort of to the viewing experience of it. In the 90s, that was like, that difficulty was like not the subtext. That was the fucking text. Everything yeah. was a grind. It looked miserable. Like, and to a certain I mean, we didn't have anything to compare it to. I so prefer this. Like, but there is an element where like if I came up in that and that was what real basketball was to me this would look too much like soccer everybody just running in circles and doing like elevator doors plays and stuff like that like i'm not at the stage yet where i'm like wishing that rick mahorn would come in with his giant ass and knock two guys over at the same time with it (laughs) but like i can sort of see how one might get there and like if i was like five years older i might be all the way there
0: i uh i like um Oh, I lost my train of thought. Hang on. You know what we can? Oh, I had a... Oh, what the fuck didn't was it? Resolve Rick Mahorn's giant ass. Hang on, it's coming. It's gonna come back. It's gonna come back. I keep saying it's gonna come back, and yet. I'm
1: looking forward to it. No. It's gone.
0: No, I think it's gone. I think I <laughs> lost it. Wow, who's the one who didn't get enough sleep? It lost? happens. Oh, I was talking so well, much. Well, uh, you know what? Let's take a break. And we'll come right back, and, uh, and we'll talk—actually, we'll talk more sports, and we'll talk other shit with Roth. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with David Roth, and we're back from my brain fart. My brain has not unfarted itself. Uh, so I, I, next time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it down in my notebook when I'm about to say something. Because, like, Roth, you have a notebook on you, and, and you take notes during the podcast, and I should follow your lead. These are not useful notes. I'm just
1: writing down things that I think are funny so I can think about them later. I want to make clear that everything that I'm doing, that you see me doing when we're recording, does not help the podcast. Oh.
0: Well, I don't know if that's true well, or not. All right. Well,
1: that's nice of you to say. But, um, yeah, mostly I'm just writing down uh, quotes that guests say that I think are delightful.
0: Like Gabrielle Paella saying she had a crow dome. The crow dome. Nick describing In Nicholas, Nicholas Cage? Cage's crow dome. I feel so like you got... you. That That's worth noting for the record, Yeah, for I feel posterity. like the Crow
1: Dome would be a good name for, like, if there was a team called, like, the Mahoning Valley uh, Birdhawks in, like, the Arena Football League, they should play in the Crow Dome.
0: Speaking of ominous portents like Crows, Jack Del Rio oh, of the yeah. Washington Commanders. Uh, oh, the I the Washington his Commanders. Yeah, he uh, he has been fined $100,000 by the Commanders. By Ron Rivera, personally, I don't know how clear that that finding system was. Uh, for comments calling the January 6th insurrection a dust-up and comparing it uh, in terms of intention and damage to the George Floyd protests. Just really standard, very, very standard red pill bullshit. Uh, He has not been fired by the commanders yet. So my question is, should he be fired, Roth? And really, why hasn't he been fired yet? Because he's not even fucking good at his job! That's the part that I'm going to start there, (laughs) because I think
1: that that's the fireable offense to me, is that... So what we know about Del Rio beyond, you know, you can go, he's deleted his Twitter account, but there was some some really good stuff there. This whole thing started when he replied to a tweet from the fucking Brookings Institute. So he's at like that level of trigger discipline in terms of being online. Like he's just every moment that he's on his phone, he is fucking on tilt, losing his mind over like <laughs> why he can't say it. And that's where right. in this case, the the thing that, probably could and should have gotten him fired beyond the fact that like his behavior there suggests that this might be someone who has a difficult time relating to certain types of people that might be on his team. There's also the fact that he sucks at being a defensive
0: coordinator. Like he is utterly replaceable. Yeah. I mean that defense fell off a cliff last year and there was no reason for it. Yeah. It's the same personnel. Yeah. They had the same personnel. They had real, they had talent at all three levels They had depth. Didn't matter. They fucking sucked. But, like, Ron Rivera, I feel like Ron Rivera's job is basically now to be, like, a really nice guy who defends horrible people when they ask him to. Like, that's all he does. Because he's not good at coaching football either. But he's, like, it's a, whatever.
1: You don't want to compare him to President Joe Brandon. It's not fair to either of them, I don't think. But he's, like, it's a placeholder thing. Like, he is their as the face of an organization because the entire rest of the organization is just open ass. Everybody knows what Washington is like. Everybody knows what the owner is like. Everybody knows what the culture all up and down is. And obviously now right. we know a lot more about their defensive coordinator. Ron Rivera, on the other hand, for whatever you can say about him as a coach, is a mensch. Everybody agrees that he is a stand-up dude.
0: Yeah, he's just he's just a very average football coach. But that's, like, that's leaps and bounds better than... The quality of anyone else in the organization, yeah. including the quarterback. But he's
1: basically club. there to, like, be a person who everyone agrees is, like, pretty dignified and pretty stand-up. So that the yeah. rest of the organization can go around sending fucking upskirt picks to each other and getting mad online.
0: <laughs> Speaking of sports washing, uh, the That's Saudi <laughs> Golf League. We should also talk about that, because that actually started uh, this past week. And, of course, it was a dud. Nobody attended, But everyone got paid anyway, so it didn't really fucking matter. And that's another—that's another thing where my beef Roth is obviously I have a beef with the ethics of the Saudi golf league, right? Because, yeah. Uh, But it's also as a golf fan, like I fucking hate the format. Like John Rom gave a whole dissertation on this at the podium the other day. That was very, like, it was very articulate and very well, uh, you know, very well said. Where. It's just shitty golf. It's fifty-four whole tournaments. That's not a real tournament. It's fucking. It's it's like team shit with like, like with like XFL ass yeah. logos in a way that all. no like one
1: really understands it either. Like it's like a team. Oh my thing. god!
0: Yeah. Like 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 if you're gonna if you're gonna fuck with the PGA and no like there are few sports entities on earth that deserve to be fucked with more than the PGA, right. but to do it like this is like you've made it so easy for me to root for the PGA when that should not be the case at all. Yeah. It's The level of,
1: like, scuzz on it, too, is, like, it's worth noting. It's not going to put a lot of people off, I think. Well, it will put some people off. But I think there's also, like, again, this is where the PGA Tour is. Like, the idea that there's somehow something sacred about the events hosted by, like, waste management or, like, you know, the, like, Vlad Dracul Institute for Free Market Studies or, like, some fucking bank or consulting firm or whatever. Like, it's all bad. You know what I mean? But like the Saudis right. managed this is their, you know, unique contribution to global culture. Not only did they find a way to make it kind of like janky and shitty, like having it be like this like fan experience that kind of just looks like like a version of Burning Man where like everybody's wearing polo shirts. And then there is on top of that, like the golf isn't even good. Like it's not the tournament that you want, it doesn't
0: have the beats that you want. Right. And I mean it's got it's got a lot of uh, like battle of bighorn vibes to it. Yeah. Where it's like like Tom Brady may as well be there. Right. Like who fuck I don't like it's an exhibition. It doesn't feel like and all I ask is that, you know, the the organization can be as shitty and as evil as it wants to be so long as the product is good. Like I'll watch the fucking World Cup. Even though they've tried to ruin that, I'll watch the NFL. Of course I watch the NFL. I watch the Olympics because the product is usually good and redeems the people governing it even though they deserve no redemption of any kind. So when you make it shitty golf like you're not doing enough to make me like be to make me ignore how the sausage is. Right. Made. And it's it's frustrating that
1: every major international sports event at this point has that sort of thing where it's like, you know, in the case of Qatar with the World Cup, I mean like 8 years of run up of people being like, this is absolutely a fucking sprawling international crime. Like (laughs) starting with bribery, moving on to like, just all kinds of like trafficking and labor abuses. It's awful. Like it shouldn't have been allowed to happen. And yet when it kicks off because it's the world cup and it's a good product, everybody's gonna be like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely watching that. Like I'm gonna get up at four in the morning to watch the Netherlands play because that's important to me. And I think that, you know, the Olympics, you see that. In this case, the only way that it could fail is if there's a product that's substandard. And yet I wrote about this this morning that, like, I feel like the bigger bet, you know, on the part of the Saudis, it is clearly just to have themselves be associated with, you know, golfers you faintly remember from five or six years ago instead of dismembering Jamal Khashoggi or. That's right. And that's. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily going to work. But I do think that given that what the PGA Tour has going for it right now is the sort of agglomeration of prestige and brand recognition that comes with it being an institution, and then a little bit of that other, you know, the stuff that that Rom talked about, where he's like, you know, a golf tournament is 72 holes to me. Like, that's what I grew up wanting to play. And that's, I think that, you know, for people that care about golf like that, that is important to them, but I think that, yeah, the bet that endless money will eventually be able to overtake an institution that has very little going for it beyond its institutional status, and that has allowed itself, because it was unchallenged for so long, to become weak, like from the inside in the way that the PGA is, where it's basically, it's a bureaucracy, you know, and right. it's a And it serves mostly the people that are, you know, served by it, serving in it. I don't know that you can bet against money in circumstances like that. Obviously, this can be sort of projected outwards across the culture. And that's bad. Like, I don't want to be in a position where I'm hoping that the PGA Tour will get its shit together so that it can fend this off. I'd be happy if they just got their shit together for this, you know, sake of getting their shit together. But I feel like if they
0: don't, they could lose. Well, because the problem was that they banned the players that signed on to the Saudi league. Um, however, the majors, which the PGA does not really control, except for they don't even control the PGA championship right, because so weird a different about PGA, like it's it's not even a coherent bureaucracy. A different PGA controls that, and all those players can still play in the majors. And if you are Phil Mickelson or you are even Tiger Woods, who has not joined the Saudi league, and you know, was probably still debating right now whether or not it's better for his legacy to like abstain from it and be the last pure golfer or just take half a billion dollars and go over yeah. um you know to you know to have that sort of spot where you know to have where where these players can uh still play in the majors that's all they want to fucking do anyway right. so they don't they don't give a fuck about playing in the Kemper Open they don't right. give a fuck like the at all RBC
1: Championship or whatever like I'm sure it's very nice but it's not like any of these guys grew up wanting to like Hoist the Royal Bank of Canada trophy that was handed to them by the CEO of the Royal Bank of Canada, and yeah, I think that that's exactly right. As long as the majors let these players in, I mean, the other thing about it that's going to be interesting is that so right now the the Live Golf field is like guys that won a major when Barack Obama was president. Well, wait, and, it's then, the, and then it's, the, and then it's the got two, the Shambo, and that's other what guys, I was going to so, say, too. and the two most disagreeable young players on the tour now. Yes. The really good young players. And I feel like there's, to a certain extent, like, and you'd have to correct me on this if I was wrong, because I don't, I know a little bit about golf, and I'll watch it if I'm feeling lazy enough, and there's not other things on. I think that people watch golf, in large part, like, fans watch it because they care about individual players, and I don't think that the players that have gone over there yet are the ones where, like, there's people that, like, Love Roy McElroy, love Tiger Woods, obviously, that like those guys haven't left. And so there are probably people that like really everybody knows that Bryson DeChambeau is an incredibly good golfer. He is not liked, right? Like, no, that's like it's like hate 90 him. 10 for Brooks Kepka
0: over him in terms of that little feud they had, right? They also, they, they do love Mickelson. Yes, I'll, that's true. I will note that. I mean, everyone calls him Phil. I mean, once you. Once you drop the last name, yeah, you know, once, Jim, once Jim Nance is just being like, Hello, friends. Is Patrick Children's Reed winning? the one that your mom hates? Uh I think well everyone hates Patrick Reed. Okay. Ray. I remember my, you telling me mom? at one point where she was like just out of nowhere, like, I don't like that guy. Like he talks during people's backswings. That's absolutely something that my mom would, would <laughs> text me. There was two things. One is that I want to say was that uh, Rom made a good point. Something that I haven't think about where he was like he's like, Listen, this they're getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, DeChambo is getting paid $100 million to join this yep. tour, which, okay, that's a lot of money. And it's been described as life-changing money, but it's like, it ain't like Bryson DeChambo is making 10 bucks an hour on the PGA Tour. Right. So, like, exactly what is changing here? Like, it's it can't be, because Ron was like, my life would be exactly the same if I had $100 million more, because I'm already fucking rich. Like, most of the top players, particularly the ones who went over, they were already rich like a guy who's just at a Q school he's not rich like no, i get that but they don't want that but guy
1: they they're not interested in that and so that's no of course not that's the part of it that's stars. like fascinating to me i think that you can really sort of see i didn't i mean whatever the story I wrote is like two thousand words long. So I had to leave something out. But that no, it's terrific. But, I like. Thank you. You're very nice. But like Dustin Johnson talking about like how the money he's going to get from that is like life changing money. It's you're fucking like you made seventy five million dollars in prize money on the tour, and you are married to Wayne Gretzky's
0: daughter. <laughs> yeah, like, I
1: think you're okay right, in like the life is, department. Are you a, like you want to you want to get the big fries at Five Guys? Like knock
0: yourself out, dude. Like. Yeah, your, your, life, your life already changed. Like, you got, you got to the life-changing part. But the like rhetoric it. of
1: it is, like, it doesn't... Like, nobody can quite say what it actually is, which is basically, like, you know, whatever, fucking Dax Shepard in Idiocracy
0: going, I like money, though.
1: Like, that's really where all of the, the mindset
0: is, like, oriented is that. Well, that's what it is. Okay, so here is the big, like, stoner thought. I think that once you make X amount of money... And once you have, even or if you're born with X amount of money, you don't have any uh, sense of objective or purpose in your life because society has not given you one, mm-hmm. right? Like if you are, um, you know, if you are, you know, someone who is just like of average means, you have been raised and you have been put in a place where your objective has to be i need enough money to eat i need enough money to provide for a family i need enough money so i can go on vacation and enjoy my life and all that stuff once you do all that once you defeat life once you win the game of life what is there and there's nothing there's no direction for um, americans particularly as to what to do once that happens like usually it's like okay i'll you know i'll do some token philanthropy or something like that but usually the default is, well, I have a lot of money, but I could have more, and that's usually how it goes. Yeah, if
1: you can't think of anything to do but having more of the thing you already have so much of, then, like, not only are you lost or whatever, it's like, where are you going to go from that? Like, you can pick up—it's honestly, like, one of those things where—we were joking around about this yesterday about, like, Jim Ursay and his fucking band, like— covering van morrison songs and like touring the country with his collection of like 20th century memorabilia but if you had jim ursay money like that's not the worst worst thing you could do like the worst thing you could do would be to put all of that money in perpetuity towards like making sure that you never have to pay more in taxes than you currently are (laughs) like at the very least you're just out there like fucking screwing off and uh you know like <laughs> making guys from REM back him up while he covers uh you know <laughs> uh Cripple Creek or something like that, and like Ooh, I hate that's that
0: so. that's his business now now it's time to remember a guy Ooh, you I right love to remember that. a guy Rob? sure, and I don't have to explain the remembering of guys to you a okay, so guy's you're... just like
1: any any person
0: any person yeah because like with. i I remember like we've we've had a couple of guests on. Who don't like follow sports and don't like read defector or something? I'd be like, you're yeah, ready to remember a guy, and they're like, what the fuck are you yeah, like? I always, I always like
1: love you're it. talking about
0: like Bob. Like <laughs> it was funny too, the idea
1: of just having to ask. Like I mean, whatever, it works every episode for me. Um, obviously, I am the target audience, but having to ask Matt Levine if he remembers Paul Powell is one of those things where no other podcast <laughs> is doing what we're doing in that in that, in that particular space.
0: Anyway, your guy of the week in honor of the Rangers, it's Mike Richter. You remember that guy, David I do Roth. remember Mike Richter. I remember... Fantastic, fantastic goalie. Stanley Cup champion. Olympic champion. Yeah. My uh, buddy Steve Diamond from high school uh, loved Mike Is Richter. Is that a real
1: name? Yeah, a really good name. He's a hockey coach What now. a
0: fantastic name. He, Steve Diamond He from wanted Jersey. to be
1: John Van Biesbrook, but then he really wanted to be Mike Richter. And yeah. You know, it didn't happen, but nobody gets to be Mike Richter. You know, like- he had
0: like the he had the Lady Liberty goalie mask yeah. and shit. He it was fucking badass. Yeah, loved Mike Richter. By the way, let's do a little Stanley Cup Finals preview. So Roth, <laughs> this year the Stanley Cup <laughs> is Bloody, between. Who are you talking to right now? It's between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche for sure. And this has been your Stanley Cup preview. Thanks Thank for you joining very us. much. Keep for, it locked here. Yep. Let's go to the fun bag. Jack uh, writes in: English muffins are better than any kind of toast. Biscuit, crumpet, scone, or anything else that you would put butter and jam or jelly on. Do you agree? You are, mate? You are you Do having you th- a laugh? Do you think English muffins are the best vessel for butter and jam or jelly? So I'm a I'm a toast boy. I eat toast every single day. Not to brag. Um, Do you really?
1: I have the same breakfast most days. It's like the uh, I don't know how I wound up in that position, but yeah, I've like a cut up an apple and, or a piece of fruit, have a piece of toast. Um, no, that I think
0: no, that's I, I don't think that that is unusual. Yeah, it's not
1: weird. It's all like if I had the no. same thing for breakfast every day, an entire ham,
0: you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's, or if it was like, well, I I like to have a piece of Wonder Bread soaked in milk and I eat it with <laughs> yes, a fork knife. So, then then you'd be a fucking weird ass grandpa from 1902, right? Like that's and whatever. I don't need to have the Charles Grassley breakfast every
1: day. Like I think this is. <laughs> <laughs> which could also be, like, eight eggs and, like, a 12-ounce steak. Like, there's basically old people used to do crazy shit. I'm I'm normal. Everyone that listens knows I'm normal. Uh, English muffins rule, but I eat them exactly one week a year, which is when I am at the Jersey Shore with my family and my parents, who are hardcore breadheads in every facet but are English muffin loyalists. Like, they're really great. I don't know that I'd say that they're necessarily better because, like, I don't, I don't even always do this, but if you get like a really good bread like, and you slice it yourself and it's like a very high quality bread that you slice fairly thick and you toast it, to me that is um, one of the best things. So it's still kind of like warm and yielding under the crusty outside. You simply cannot beat that shit. It rules.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I Like I will get horny for fresh bread and be like, I have to go to like the Tate yeah. nearby or something to go. I've got, oh, I got fresh boulet. Like I get like, I get pretty excited to have that with just, like, butter and stuff. So, like, even though I respect the English muffin, and I like the English muffin, it reminds me of, like, my mommy, like, bringing me a tray of food, like, when I was sick, like, when I was a kid and stuff like that. I actually think English muffins are best... uh, like, used for other purposes, like, a, as, like, a burger bun. I love them as a burger bun. I was going to say that. That's fucking such Fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, one of so my favorite good.
1: burgers in New York City, it's, like, kind of a, a non-traditional one that you can get from Gian Famous Foods that's, like, it's, like, a spicy, cumin-y lamb thing with, like, chilies in it. Really good. And they basically have it in sort of, like, an English muffin bun that they make. And it's the same Ooh. sort of thing. It, it's, like, I feel like Ooh. the... It depends on what type of burger you're having, but if you're having, like, a normal size burger, if you're not doing, like, something real uh, stupid and fatty and, like, thick, English muffins are the number one for me. Love that shit.
0: I'll, also, I do want to give a shout-out to crumpets momentarily, because I, I never buy them. I don't—I eat them maybe once every five years, but whenever I have them, I'm like, that's a good product. Yeah, it's a Find solid it. product. Cool. I guess what we're saying here is, uh, if it's bread— me and Drew
1: are, are on the team. We
0: love it. Yeah, in general, I'm I'm pro-starch. Buchanan writes in, in 2020, I found out about Kobe's death as I was on my way into a Popeyes. I don't know what compelled me, but I literally did the Peter King tweet and told the cashier he was visibly shocked. I actually thought he might have cried. Was my behavior in any way acceptable? Was Buchanan right to tell the cashier at Popeyes that Kobe had just died <laughs> the dateline on it? So it's worth yeah. knowing that the Peter King thing was about Robin Williams, which is like... Yeah, so it was when Robin Williams died. So the, the, the Peter King tweet was like, told the waiter uh, that Robin Williams just died, thought he w- might cry. And kind of like the tweet kind of hinted that like Peter King was disappointed that the waiter didn't yeah. cry, that Robin Williams died, It was which, a
1: weird tweet. It also, it had a, a, one of my favorite Peter King ticks where it was like, Sarasota, Florida, dash. Like, you don't yeah, need the yeah, date line. Date line. It a has fucking... the location at the bottom of it, dude. Like <laughs> <laughs> i loved it but Uh, the uh i feel like in a situation like that because i remember where i was when i learned that news too like it was fucking weird like and it's kind of shocking out of the fucking and i didn't like kobe at all no i hated kobe (laughs) but it was the sort of thing where like you just you weren't expecting it i feel like to a certain extent i will give a pass on that because you're clearly not a hundred percent in your faculties at that point like, you know, when no. you, if you're, like, leaving the Popeyes with however many chicken strips they chose to gave you, give you because that's how Popeyes works. Like, if you, at that point, like, are looking back at it and you're like, damn, I did that. That was weird. That shows that you're okay.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's a very human instinct to sort of turn into Paul Revere when something, like, of major import happens. Right. Like, Like, Prince died. Michael Jackson died. I fucking bolted out of this office to tell everybody else in the house. <laughs> like, I couldn't. I had to, and like, I'm sure that happened, you know, when, when other historical figures have died, like when Kennedy died, you know, and stuff like that. Like, obviously Kobe Bryant and Kennedy, a little bit of apples and oranges right. there, right? But like, it is in that vein of news that is so big that you know everyone, you know that everyone is going to be intrigued, is going to be, you know, quite surprised and interested in the news, and so you almost can't help but tell yeah, people. Yeah, I think that it.
1: that's... Yeah, it's natural. Um, I don't know, like, what part of our evolved brains that is, where, the, like, the gland that fires when you hear sufficiently bad news, and you're like, I better ruin someone's fucking day with this. Like, they can't go another second not knowing it. But
0: I think it's, it's, it's a real human thing, though, I think. I don't think... But I don't think it's an instinct to ruin someone's day. I think it's almost an instinct for connection. Yeah. It's like, no, here is this that. thing that's happened. Can you believe it? Let's, you know i this feels like a moment, and like i need i need to like i need to see the and hear the voices of other people like you know when it yeah. happens so i i think it's a very human human thing, but it is it is kind of a funny story yeah I can and I, do, I do like it uh Ian writes in this is the last one do we need a president <laughs> i mean Ralph, do, do we really need one like what what's the point what, like, what
1: would we replace it with
0: uh like a, nothing yeah uh, well i mean I will tell you that the Trump years pretty much gave us a good idea of that because he didn't really do it. He didn't even, like, fill... The The only jobs he filled were, like, really important judge sh- judgeships that will fuck us yeah, for the next like 50 Yeah, like some years. fucking 32-year-old that went to, like,
1: Gary Sinise University yep. that's gonna make it illegal to vote in 18 months. Yes, yeah. but
0: otherwise, he didn't really do anything. Like, he sat around and watched TV, like, 10 hours a day. Yeah. He watched more TV than I watched as, like, a 14-year-old. Oh, yeah, he watches every... The way that I watch TV during the first two
1: days of the NCAA tournament, that's how he watches, like, One America News every single fucking day.
0: Yeah, so Biden is the president now, and that's very nice. We love him, but we love him. Love like Joe apart Brandon. from getting, you know, can't, apart from getting like uh, Kentonji Brown Jackson confirmed to Supreme Court, he hasn't done a fucking thing this year. Not a fucking thing. So I'm not going so, to give the fully
1: depressing answer to this. But yes, go on. Like this is completely correct.
0: No, that's it. That's it. What's what's the point of this fucking asshole? He doesn't do it. He's like Mitch McConnell's a good guy. Like fuck you, that man. Is incredible.
1: That him and Pelosi, this is the the issue with like if we're gonna have a president, the president can't be eighty. Yeah, you know, and like nothing. It's too old. And some of my best friends are going to be eighty soon. Where any of my parents are going to be eighty soon. Like, I get it. I think my dad would tell you that he should not be president either. Like, he gets really tired during the day, and he's not in the best health. I think that for to hear the way that like Pelosi and and Biden talk about, you know, like what a gentleman Ronald Reagan was, and what like actually a good man Mitch McConnell is. Oh my god! Not just (sighs) is it like fucking groan inducing it also like it doesn't speak to any existing constituency outside of like literally their peer group of other people that have been in government at the highest federal levels for 40 years like diane feinstein being like here here yeah like none (laughs) of these people remember fucking edward brooke i wasn't alive when he was in the senate i'm sure he was a good man this was like the republican uh from Massachusetts who everybody remembers as being like one of the true gentlemen of the institution. That's fine. Like he was gone by the time I was a baby and I'm and you old You know already. what? Those Republicans were fuckers too. And yeah. they were fuckers. And They've been fuckers my whole life. And so I think that there is this like it's certainly like if the if you have to have a president and I think it is actually like a good question whether you need to have a president. Like I feel like it's at this point it has functioned certainly with trump now with biden and i think to a certain extent like you know with obama where you're basically that person is a character they're the face of the government and the sort of the perceived personality of the government and so with like the way that it feels like things are just kind of happening now um without any check on them and like things are just kind of getting bad while uh, somebody you know broadly speaking, every institution has like taken a very long lunch from which they might not come back you, at all. You can't buy baby formula or tampons right. right now. And so in that case, it's like where it was with Trump, where it seemed like the government was like extremely angry, stupid, confused, and not paying attention to things that are important. With Biden, it just sort of seems more like uh, like pop, pop, falling asleep in a in a big comfy chair. And in both of those instances, like it's not adding value. Like what you're basically no. like, you're just spackling this like face on a thing that is not working in more or less the same way where it's just kind of like the parts of it that punish grind forward, the parts of it that are supposed to help people don't work cause they don't have enough money. And then like, yeah, you're just changing the guy whose voice tells you that on TV. Like who cares?
0: Yeah. I think they all just sort of, I think they all felt like they had to replicate Reagan as being like, okay, in times of trouble, the president needs to be, like, a soothing voice that brings everybody together. And the, it's that is so fucking out of date. Yeah. I need a president who's the hammer and not the fucking nail. And Biden is the nail every goddamn week of every goddamn month. Yep. It's tough, too. Because it's like, there's still a part of me that, like, vestigially
1: finds the man. Like, he's, like, when he's good. Like, when you get him during the day and he's, like, a little sassy and he's talking about, you know, Scranton or whatever. Like, that's a type of politician that... You know, it always sort of works for me. It's, like, a, you know, cr- corrupt, though they may be, like, cynical, though they always are. Like, it's he's a character. It's just that, like, you know, the nighttime version of Biden, where he's kind of whispering and looks like a ghost. Like, it's just... It's dis- that's why I call him Sleepy Joe. It's dispiriting, yeah. Well, I mean, the version yeah. of, of Trump that's, like, fucking gacked up on, like, just, like, crushing Benadryls, and he gets up there and he's like, we're gonna, it's every day everybody's gonna get a new sandwich from the the president. It's me, I'm their best friend. You know, like, that is also (laughs) stupid,
0: but I can see why people uh, prefer the stagecraft of one to the other. I mean, at least he had the courtesy to be a cock to the people he didn't like, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Like, like, you know, at least show me your true colors so that I can judge you on the merits and that I know you're going to act in my interests, uh, as opposed to, well, you know what? I'm I'm saying way too much too many nice things about Trump. Fuck him too. Yeah, he's awful a piece of shit. We're, we're not gonna end on we're that. In a J.B. Note. We Kitzker can't end podcast on podcast now. We Vote can't for end the big on boy. that note. We have to we have to end with this from Vadim, who writes in current age Shack versus current age Curry. No field goals allowed. You can only dunk or lay up. Make it, take it. Who wins? I mean, I think it's Curry in lance It's Certainly Curry. It? Uh right. He's much faster. See, what if it were prime? What if it were prime Shaq versus prime Curry with the same ground rules? Prime Shaq beats anybody in a game of one on one. you like you yeah. talking about like early Lakers, late
1: Magic Shaq.
0: Yeah, it's, like the best well, basketball
1: he, player I've ever seen. What if he couldn't dunk? Oh, what if he couldn't dunk? It would be funny if so. I'm, I'm gonna, editing the question. I know. I'm going to nudge this forward. <laughs> Curry can only dunk. Shaq can only shoot jumpers.
0: Who wins that? Oh, oh my God, uh, Shaq. I'm pretty sure. I mean, you know, but I'm I'm so trained as a night as a '90s guy who didn't like Shaq. I was like, well, he does this dunk and he can't make free throws. So What kind of player is he? Which was totally yeah. wrong. Yeah, no, he was. This is the
1: thing too, is that he became that guy later in his career. And so, like, if you ever believed that erroneously, if you stuck around long enough, you'd get to see him on the Cavs or something and be like, yeah, I was right all along. Yeah, because he was like 400 pounds and drunk every night. But when it's like, he that was like the the version, I mean, the only comp for Giannis that has ever made sense to me is. Like early career Shaq, whereas basically a guy who is both bigger and somehow faster than everybody else on the floor. And like he would like lead the break for that team and stuff. He fucking ruled, man. Like, I that's if you are feeling bad, um, and I can speak from some experience on this, watching some uh Shaq highlight reels on YouTube, like at the very least, uh I, I guess it's like the same sort of experience that Dave McKenna gets watching like drum so or guitar solos on there. Like it's just it's cool shit. You can take it out of uh, context and, um, you know, enjoy some dunks for a while and, and get a hard reset.
0: That's a better note to end on. Uh, Brandon Nix, who has had to work far too hard today, is our <laughs> producer, along with Chantel Holder. Nora Ritchie is our executive producer. Our theme songs by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to Roth and me, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now to and use the promo code distract and don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever it is that you listen and go subscribe to defector.com too while you're at it we'll see you next week raw bye